Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining Bell Curve. I'm Rachel Breyers, joined by Mary Scott Hunter and Liz Bashirs, and we are recording this on Sunday evening, March 15th, during a time that can only be described as historic, as the whole world really watches and participates in events related to the global outbreak of COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus. And today, we're not here to dive into anything political or question how you and your family are responding, we'd really like instead to process our thoughts and reactions with you and hopefully offer some encouragement for wherever you are and however this is impacting you and your loved ones. It's been very eye-opening to watch worldwide coverage from Italy and other countries hit hard with the hospital overwhelm and deaths ticking up and also to see the immediate impact this is having right here in our communities. Elderly people not being able to access supplies, the working poor whose sources of income have immediately evaporated, small businesses. I've been thinking a lot about personal trainers, hairstylists, restaurant owners, parents of kids who need certain therapies maybe they aren't able to access, the homeless, people in helping industries like nurses and doctors and those who help the aged and poor. Journalists out there are keeping us informed of what's going on. Teachers learning how to teach online. This is really affecting so, so many people. And we know that there are many differing opinions out there about the virus itself and if we are doing too little or too much. But really what is not disputed is that there are so many implications ranging from the uncomfortable to the devastating that our neighbors and community members are facing. So please know that our thoughts and prayers are with each of you and your families. And please reach out to us in our Facebook group, Bell Curve Insiders, if we can encourage or help you in any way. So Absolutely. So Mary Scott and Liz, tell us what life has been like in your homes this week as events have unfolded. Well, in our house, it I think probably like many others, we you know started hearing about it months ago, watched it, were concerned about it, but it seemed so far away. It seemed like it was happening someplace else. And even as it entered the the country and and you saw cases in Washington State and California, it. it you know, things just never come to Alabama. <laughs> My goodness, we you know we don't get any presidential. We're forty nine. We- We're forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was one of those cases where you didn't mind so much, and I, you know, they had the they had the the final four bracket, you know, of of of, of coronavirus, and Alabama made it. I think it was us in West Virginia who finally had the you know the cases, but who knows if that's because. We just didn't have any testing kits or, you know, I don't know. We didn't have as many international travelers or or what. But I think when it really hit home to me is we have a couple of big conferences here in, in Huntsville. And conferences began canceling. And then the baseball season, you know, not the NBA, the national basketball, but the, the local baseball season, the little league baseball team canceled their teams you know their their season and then you know as of Friday we were going to school for a couple of days next week but as of today we're not going to school at all for at least three weeks and uh, it's just a lot it's just a lot it's a lot to figure out if you you know for yourself and your family Uh, I had to we have my husband and I both work full-time and so we have we have two college-age girls that help us mostly with the driving. Our 16-year-old our can drive himself, but I, we have three kids at three schools, and we have one that comes a couple of mornings a week, and we have one that comes a couple of afternoons a week. And 
you know, talking to them and, you know, they're, they're not prepared to go three weeks without work. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, how to help them get work because they depend on their job with me. My husband has 30 employees for his company. We'll have to, or they're not going to do any stopping of work. They're figuring out how to keep people working. They have an employee that's working from home because her children are out of school, staggering shifts, that sort of thing. My company, I'm going in tomorrow fully expecting that we're going to have to start figuring out how to, how to sort through what we're doing with employees who may need accommodations and, you know, or may get sick. And so I think it's probably just a lot like everybody. It's just on the one hand, you think this, is this really that bad? You know, and it's hard to, know that because we haven't seen a lot of that here yet and if it's not that bad you know are these all the right reactions that we're taking because we're basically shutting down our economy we're putting people in at risk you know we're putting children out of school where they get food you know where we can get eyes on them if they're in a a danger situation in their home I mean it, it just there's a lot of risks of shutting down on the other hand, I'm not, you know, uh, there's risks of going forward and people interacting if indeed it's true and social interaction is what causes that big spike in the, you know, in the, um, with people catching the, the virus and then succumbing to the virus. So I don't know. I think I'm like a lot of people. I, I don't know what the answer is. It's, and it's just very bewildering. You know, we, we have so many movies and TV shows and pop culture where there are this, these kinds of scenarios where there's a virus run rampant, whether that causes zombies or, or some other crazy disease and crazy symptoms. But so it's for a long time for me felt like something that was almost too fictional to be true. If that makes sense. It was, it was too much out of a movie to be true. And so it, it really honestly took me a long time to wrap my head around the idea that, this could be something that would come onto our doorstep and make a big impact on our lives. And, and now the last couple of days, we're definitely seeing that that's going to be the case. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's an overreaction or not, if you look in the, in the media and, and what our governments are asking us to do, they're asking us to take very, very drastic steps to try to stop the spread of, of this virus. You know, as far as what it's looked like in my house over the last week, I'm in a little bit different position than y'all and that I don't have kids. And my, um, my husband and I both work jobs that are pretty easily done from home. Uh, almost all of my work is done from home unless I'm, I'm traveling for a project. And, you know, as long as I have a computer and the internet, I can, I can still get work done. Um, so it, it's, it was almost kind of like, okay, well, we'll just ride this out and see how things evolve. And, and then I started seeing events that I was supposed to go to get canceled and uh, work trips that I've been scheduled for weeks or months start to, to say, you know, start to have people on the team say, you shouldn't take this, you shouldn't go. And so it was a little frustrating. Um, and then Friday, I, it just kind of hit me that, hey, this is really coming to Alabama. This is something that is going to affect our lives and our economy, like you said, Mary Scott, very tangibly. And I had a little bit of a mindset shift. You know, we, we didn't really go into uh, social distancing formally until uh today we we did spend some time with some neighbors yesterday but it's i don't know it's just weird it's it's not something you know there's a there's a saying that uh and i might butcher this (laughs) that i've thought about a lot recently in the last couple of months it's easy times make soft people soft people make hard times 
hard times make hard people. And I think we've been soft people living in easy times for a long time. And now we're going to have some hard times and we're going to have to toughen up. Now, whether that's going to last a couple weeks or it's going to last, you know, the repercussions for this last year's even, it's, we're going we're gonna to start to see ways that we have to address some of the problems in our economics and in our infrastructure that have made us so ill-prepared or even just in our cultural institutions have, have made us so imp- unprepared for something like this. Mm. How about you, Rach? Wow. <laughs> Do you have any good news? <laughs> oh my goodness. Y'all are so wise and so well-spoken. I'm just very humbled every time I hear you process these things. But we listened at the dinner table tonight to a speech that Justice Roberts gave to some high school, I believe. And Liz, what you said makes me think of what he said to those high school students. He said, you know, I hope you go through some hard times, not because I wish ill for you, but, and I'm paraphrasing, but because I know that until you experience things like injustice or hard times or failure or bad luck, you're really never going to develop the skills that you need to push through those hard times. So what you said just reminded me of that. As far as, of, I guess, how our house has been this past week, you know, in times like these, I really am grateful for Pepper. He is very good about preparing for problems and disasters, and that's simply not my strength area. He's the one who makes sure we go to storm shelters when there are tornado threats. You know, I'm admittedly the one who would sleep right through tornado warnings without a worry. I would probably (laughs) be the person in a hurricane who wouldn't evacuate and came to regret it. So on Tuesday of last week, Pepper called me and asked me to stop whatever I was doing and please trust him and go to the store. And I was head down in a project and did not want to go to the store. And I will say... I've really grown so much in respecting his wishes when it comes to getting prepared. I mean, early in our marriage, I think I was probably pretty disrespectful of his approach to emergency response and prep. You know, he'd want us to hustle out the house to get to the shelter, for example, or spend money on emergency supplies. And I would just really resist it. And we we do laugh now. But for a long time, you know, the more he tried to hurry me and impart urgency, the slower and calmer I got. And that's honestly still my tendency, which just isn't isn't good. But, you know, there's other areas that I think are really important. Screen time for the kids or our food choices as a family. And he's really led the way in respecting my concerns. And so I've tried to follow his lead and he's done a great job and I've, I've grown a lot. So anyway, on Tuesday, I did drop everything and I went to the store and stocked up and we started practicing social distancing, I guess, on Friday. So when this episode airs, we, I won't have left the house besides walking in the neighborhood for four days. <laughs> And, you know, the kids, we were talking a little bit, me and Liz, before this started. And I just have a range of personalities in our house. You know, my oldest daughter is very outgoing. She's been home a couple days, and it's just already wearing on her not to have the social interaction. And then, you know, there's one kid who's prone to worry, and she's kind of trying to process this and not, you know, and so trying to help her understand that we're all going to be fine, yet we need to care for our neighbors. And this is why we're this is why we're social distancing. We're trying to care for other people. And so it is It is kind of a lot to, to process and manage. But I'm curious what thoughts, advice, or encouragement you, you guys would like to share with our listeners. Well, I will say that I got a compliment from my husband about my toilet paper hoarding, <laughs> which I have 50 rolls of toilet paper at any one time ever in my house. What? <laughs> you, so you're finally being appreciated. <laughs> finally! You, Oh, man. You know, some people are going to come break in your house, Mary Scott, now that you've admitted that to the world. 
I hope you're locked and loaded over there, Mary Scott. Dude, the, the three the three square rule with our kids. Only three squares. Why do you have 50 <laughs> rolls of toilet paper? Because I never want to run out. <laughs> I cannot understand this toilet paper thing that's going on in our culture right now. I really can't. It's like... Hey, look, I don't like to run out. So I always have a, like, I get the rolls of 12, you know, and I keep them under every sink. And so there's always, I don't know, there's what, four or five bathrooms in the house. They all have 12 rolls of toilet paper, or they did. (laughs) You know what? I, uh, encouragement. Let's start there because in times like these, you must force yourself to be optimistic because that's what brave, courageous people do. And if you take 9-11 or the tornadoes, you know, half a decade ago here in Alabama or any tragedy, brave, courageous people choose optimism over pessimism. And, and so you have to. So the thing that I'm going to tell our listeners, our, our curvies out there who are listening, who are, wherever you are within the sound of my voice, this is going to be hard, but you are going to make great memories and you're going to make you're going to be so much better on the back side of this and the experience that i really brought that home to me was when my husband deployed in 2014 and it, it wasn't a, a national emergency but it was definitely a lot of emergencies in our house because i was by myself with these three little kids and it was just always figuring out how to get it all done and I just have the best memories because it was us and them and the, and and it, and we had to handle whatever the world threw at us for those 6 months and you know my my mom came up a little bit and helped out but she couldn't stay 6 months you know nobody can help you for 6 months you have to figure it out and so uh, to this day it, it it's one of the it's the experience that really solidified my relationship with my three children. Hmm. So on the, on the encouraging side, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, but we're all going to make great memories and take the opportunity to draw closer to the ones you love. If you can, that's to me, the thing that will help us get through this. I keep thinking over and over again about the Mr. Rogers quote. I've seen it a lot and it just really has hit me over and over is when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. And already I've started to see so many people who have all the same worries and concerns that we do, but are, are getting out and in a safe way, finding ways to help the people who are going to need it most over the next weeks and months. You mentioned at the very beginning, Rachel, the people who are hourly workers. Yeah. I wanted to start with the encouragement and that is many people will come through this better, but some will not. And that's the reality of this situation. Some will lose their life. There will be some loss of life in this country. I don't know how much. I hope not very much. But, but there will be some who will, whose fortunes will change dramatically or some whose fortunes are already you know, so depleted that they don't have far to fall. And when they fall, they fall to the very bottom. And I think as best we can, I don't know, I, I have these two young women that I mentor at a local high school. And I, I can't take care of every high school student you know, where I'm part of the PTA, but I can 
look after those two. And I gave those two my phone number. I gave them some books to read. I gave one the first couple of books in Harry Potter, and I gave the other two at the beginning of another series, books that I just had around just knew. I mean, I've, I've been in education long enough that I, I knew we were going to shut down. I just knew it. And um, so I gave them my number and I looked at both of them and said, if there's, if you need anything, you can call me anything. And they both kind of looked at me and said, anything. And I said, anything. Hmm. If, if there is any, if you have any problems, any problems at all, you can call me and I will come. And I really meant it. I will. But, but I can't, I can't do that for everyone. But I, I guess if maybe it made me feel better to be able to do that for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we made arrangements with our Sunday school class to try to stay connected on Skype. We're going to try to try to Skype with each other. And I think if you can just, because I'm glad we started with encouragement because there's, oh my goodness, there's just so much to not be encouraged about at all. But in that, in, in that time, I mean, do, do what you can within your span of control to do some good in the world. And you know, I think maybe that has to be enough for now. My good friend, Lisa Lighty, who's also a very valued patron of Bell Curve, she gave me permission to share how she's approaching this. She works full-time as a pharmaceutical sales rep. And she said, she said, I am seeing this as an opportunity to reset for our family. We will help our son with his seedlings for our gardens. I will be teaching the, our kids more in-depth chores that we haven't had time to invest in previously. We will start a new book to read aloud in the evenings. And she said, honestly, I've been so pulled by by my job that I feel like I've been given the gift of time and I won't waste that gift. And I thought that was such a lovely reaction to not waste the gift of time she's been given with her family. So I think think looking for ways to serve the people under our house and looking for ways to be mindful, like you said, Mary Scott, of the people who don't have family to help them is something we all well, need to do. Well, heck yeah, about your own house. It's an excellent time to do all those things you've always thought about doing. You know, what if you're, let's say you're, you're single and you don't have a family, but you've, you know, you're looking at the kitchen cabinets, you know, for two years, you know, <laughs> thinking about, you know, transitioning your award, those little projects that you can do. Oh, I'm going to pull so many weeds and declutter so many drawers. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to go, it's it's spring cleaning time and I'm going to go stir crazy in this house. So it's going to be spick and span by the time this thing is over. Y'all, I do want to share. I mean, that, you know, Mary, Mary Scott, you alluded to this with when John was overseas and your kids were little. There are a lot of moms out there who are in a stage that you and I, Mary Scott, are not in anymore where their kids are really, really, really little and they're not going to yeah. be getting any projects done. And it's going to be really hard. And I was thinking back on that stage and I wanted to share a story that I thought of about five years ago. I had a baby in diapers, a toddler, a four-year-old, seven and eight-year-olds. And, you know, back then those were years when summertime was a challenge and I don't need to explain why to anyone with kids that young. You know, you have some who needed naps, others crawling the walls, everyone's fighting and crying and hungry and just turning the house inside out. You know, it can be tough. And on the first day of summer, five years ago, One of my kids came home with just excessively itchy skin, and I thought it must be poison ivy, and we started treating for that. And long story short, by the end of the week, I had taken the kids to the dermatologist and received a diagnosis of scabies, which if any of you have, (laughs) oh, I know. So if, if, if any of you have been through that with your kids or lice or any of the awful, invisible, highly contagious egg laying critters, 
I don't even have to share the rest of the story for you to know what we went through. And the dermatologist told me, hey, you, you know, you need to self-quarantine until, you know, everybody successfully treat you've treated the whole family, even those without it. And at first, you know, I was all energy and down to business and action oriented. I bagged up everything. I started washing sheets and towels daily for a seven person family. I applied the medicine. I bathed the kids. I did everything. But as days turned into weeks of doing that and doing the social isolation thing, staying at the house and worrying that I couldn't have possibly killed everything. And then the kids got the stomach flu, too. I remember one day hitting my knees before God in utter desperation and <laughs> and actually weeping. It's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to yeah. remember now. But I, I remember vividly weeping I felt because I felt I had been broken and that's hard to admit when you know on paper it doesn't sound all that difficult but sometimes we can't predict or explain what will personally break us and I've learned we also can't judge what breaks others and for whatever reason that one broke me and I literally begged for God's help and he did ultimately deliver us from that situation and I share that because I know that a few days into this crisis this is how some of you actually already feel and maybe you're embarrassed about it. And in a few weeks, it may be how some other fe- others feel. And if that is you, please don't be like me and wait to hit your knees in prayer until you're broken and drowning. Amp up your time in the Word, your time in prayer right now. You know, get up before the kids do and have your coffee and quiet and pray before they're at your bedside. And in your lowest moment, when you think, you know, you just can't go on for whatever reason, you're going crazy at home or God forbid someone does get sick and you're worried about it, imagine yourself just around the corner when you are going to experience relief, when it's over, when your strength is restored. Think back on hard times you've already come through and know that God is with us. He is in control. He is trustworthy. And none of us are alone. Yeah, we have each other. You have, we have friends. We have loved. Even if you live in a household alone, and I'm sure many of our curvies out there do live in households alone. Know this: that you are not alone. You are not alone, not just because of your faith, but because you live in a society. You're part of this community. You're part of other communities. And even if you can't, you know, my pastor sent out an email today, and he says. You know, it is important to come to church. We always want to go to church, but right now many churches are having to halt their meetings and not be able to congregate, but we're still the church. You're still a part of a group. And thank God today, you know, right now as we sit here, Rachel and Liz and I are on Zoom. It's a way to meet together and talk together. There's other apps like Skype, which you can download to your phone. Make the effort to do that. Don't just sit there and isolate yourself. Try, you've got to try to be a part of the community if you need that. Um, and, and so many of us do. There are people that don't. I mean, to be honest, I'm a person that I'm a recovering introvert. I know people always laugh at that when they because I seem like such an extrovert, but I'm not. I really could spend weeks by myself and probably be okay. Um, I have fantasized about quiet those quiet retreats down in Coleman at the at the convent. I've been to those. Talk. <laughs> yes, I really could do that for. I mean, but. Everywhere, human beings are wired to be in community. So during this time, if you are a person that lives alone, make that effort and, and use some of those online resources that are out there to not isolate yourself. And if you do have a family, 
you know, and you are lucky enough to have a family or lucky enough to have a community that you can interact with, make sure you're reaching out to people that you know that are single and alone because they do need you. On the topic of, of using technology to connect with people, something I've seen develop over the last couple of days that is just really amazing to me. I've seen it on uh, Twitter and Reddit mostly, people organizing group events to do from home, whether that's through a, a Twitch stream or live tweeting about a specific movie. There's a yoga instructor specifically who I saw who is is on a Twitch stream, which uh, Mary Scott, you have kids who play video games, so you probably know what that is. Uh, they're always on Twitch, yes. Um, <laughs> who is teaching yoga classes so that everybody can be practicing yoga together from their own homes, but so still feeling like they're in a community, doing something at the same time as other people with the same interests, but doing it in a, a safe, quarantined, social distancing way. That's a great um, idea. And like I said, same thing with, with folks on Twitter are saying, okay, at, at seven o'clock Eastern, we're all going to start watching The Godfather and we'll tweet about it using this hashtag. And so you can kind of build some community with people who have similar interests and doing things at the same time even if you can't be in the same room as them. I, th I think the way that technology is going to enable us to build some of those communities is just really incredible. Are there any other specific resources y'all want to recommend? I do. I, I have a book list. I don't know if you ladies have a book list that you, you know, Mary Scott's top 40 books, you know, I, I, I'd be happy to share that. Um, this is a good time to read books. And I, I got a message from my public library. They are shutting down programs like reading programs for kids and, you know, their meeting rooms are not going to be open for meetings and that sort of thing. But my public library is letting people check out 50 books at a time. Whoa. You can check out up to 50 books. So I, I don't know what other libraries are doing, but mine is open. And you can go and you can check out books and you can, and, and you know, even if you don't want to go anywhere, let's say you don't want to go to the library, you don't want to go, you can always download books to your, you know, to your laptop, to your desktop. You can download books to your phone. You can download books. Usually your library has a free service. Um, of course you can buy them too, but this is a great time to, to read all those great books and the classics are awesome, you know, and there's new books out there, but we're, you know, we're, if you're a reader and you've thought to yourself, I wish I had more time to read, it's, it, you, you're going to have time, <laughs> you're going to have time, you know, and there's nothing like losing yourself in a book, you know, go back to your childhood if you were a reader back then and just lay around and read. It's a great time to do that. I want to recommend too, just for fitness, there's a website called Fitness Blender. I don't know if y'all heard of that, but to Ooh, just I'll write that one down. Yeah, it's a really good resource and offers just a bunch of free workouts that you can do from home with little to no equipment. I've used that multiple times in the past and they're just really winsome and they incorporate lots of different types of workouts. I also, if you're looking for something good to watch, Pepper and I bought the HBO miniseries Chernobyl and started watching that last night together. It's not for young kids, especially since the topic is crisis and mass death and could really produce anxiety in kids. And if you're prone to heading down that road, maybe it's not a good idea either. But if you're just looking for something good to watch, it's very well made, number one. And number two, it offers some, I think, very good historical lessons that I think are worthwhile. Oh, it's a great time to binge your, you know, your favorite TV shows or your movies. And why not? You know, we always feel so guilty about that. You know, like, I don't need to watch. I mean, what? Go for it. Watch movies. Somebody, one of you said, I can't remember who, about 
taking advantage of this gift of time and doing some of those things that maybe you've put off for a long time, whether that's catching up on a show that you've wanted to uh, watch or starting a, a new fitness regime, you know, there's nothing unsafe about getting out and walking around your neighborhood if you're not coming into physical contact with other people. So just go on a walk. I, this sounds so silly, but I was introduced to this bird ID app the other day. <laughs> oh, you're becoming a bird watcher. Liz, you're an old soul girl. <laughs> I know. And it has brought me so much joy when, cause all, you know, it's, it's the beginning of spring and all these birds are coming out and it's just, they're so loud and beautiful and playful in the morning. And just like going through that app and identifying what kind of birds are in my backyard has been a, a fun little hobby I've picked up in the last week or so. And I was also going to mention a fitness app. Open fit is a fitness app that I use when I'm on the road. Sometimes um, if the, the hotel I'm in doesn't have a good hotel gym. Cause you know, a lot of time hotel gyms are, and so just there are so many resources for staying active keeping your mind engaged learning a new hobby or new interest don't let this because I am somebody if I stay in one place too long and if I do the same thing too many days in a row I will get depressed and so that's something I'm, I'm trying to be proactive about you know heading off at the pass and I would just recommend to anybody else who has that same issue that, that they do that as well. It's interesting. Pepper came up to me today and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was just feeling, Meh. we went out on a walk and I immediately felt better. It's so true. You just got to stay active. Yeah. Still go outside, get some sunshine, get some vitamin D that, that is super, super important to maintaining mental and physical health. Do y'all have any quotes or Bible verses you f- are finding particularly helpful you want to share with our listeners? Our entire marriage, really our entire relationship, James and I have held uh, Romans chapter eight in our hearts very, very closely. And there's 828. And and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And it's, it's something that's been in my mind even more so the last couple of days. And it, you know, it's one that gets repeated a lot and people use it out of context and people use it for their own purposes. But there are so many places already throughout this that, that I see some things working together for good. And I, I want to be part of that good. So it's something I'm trying to, to keep close to my heart. You know, I, I've been, I found myself real irritated with God the last couple of weeks. Um, so no, I, I don't, I don't really want to talk to God right now. I'm mad at God. <laughs> I'm, I'm mad at my church for not meeting. That's probably not rational because I know they're probably just making the best decision that they can under the circumstances. But I just generally feel pissed off about this, excuse my French, situation. And nope, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. And I, I, I don't know when I'm not going to be mad. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to process that, but that's how I feel right now. I will say this, though. I know that God is faithful, and I know that when I've been mad at him before, he's been there when I've worked through it. So on the other side of this, it'll be okay. One thing that'll make it okay for me is I lead a Sunday school class. I've led it for years And I am hardwired to take care of people. That's just how I'm wired. And it's bothering me right now that I've got members of my class that I can't take care of. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we all get on Skype and I can know that I can get my eyeballs on them and I know that they're all okay, then I know that will start to alleviate some of the 
uh, the anger um, and just the frustration that I'm feeling right now with my God and my church. But yeah, that's how I feel. I really appreciate you sharing that, Mary Scott, and yeah. just being so authentic, because I'm sure you're voicing how many other people feel and don't give them permission to say out loud. So really appreciate you saying that. I think the thing that keeps coming back to my mind the past few days is that, you know, Ash Wednesday was a couple weeks ago. And in that service, of course, they rub the mark of the cross on your forehead in ashes and say, remember that you are dust and to dust you will return. And I think for me, you know, it never hurts to sort of reflect on our limited time on this planet, you know, whether or not you're worried about coronavirus, that's not really the point. I do think that slowing down our frenetic pace may be an opportunity, at least for me to examine my heart and my life in the light of that fact that it's short, our time on earth is a gift. The other thing I'm reflecting on a little bit is just, it's like you said, Liz, you know, everybody quotes it, but Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I'm really focusing, I think, on that last one, to guard your mind. So what what do you think that we can do to help others during this time? This is another tough one for me because right now we're being told the best way to protect other people is by not to be around them. But that's also not a choice for so many people. And there are going to be so many people who need our service over the next weeks. And as somebody who is relatively, even though I'm in my thirties now, relatively young and healthy. (laughs) Are you still on that? Get over it. (laughs) Mary Scott's almost 50. (laughs) I'm almost I've 40. Got a little ways to go. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, what? So one of the one of the gyms where I teach uh, spin class is also a um, a Red Cross certified disaster relief and preparedness facility, and and they sent out an email this evening talking about the the things that they're going to be doing to serve the community, serve the broader Birmingham community, and and the things that they're going to need help with over the next couple of weeks. And that's going to, that's going to be things like donating food and supplies, but also they need help putting together lunch, like lunch bags and that kind of thing too. And that's something that you can't really do without being somewhat hands-on. And I'm sure that in Huntsville and, and everywhere where our listeners are, there are going to be disaster relief preparedness facilities like that. So I plan on doing what I can to helping out at the LJCC here in Birmingham um, as they serve the community and, and just kind of seeing where the needs are and doing what I can do in a safe way, but it's tough. It's not, it's not an easy it's not an easy question to answer, I think, right now. I think those opportunities are going to pop up, and I think we're going to figure out how to do it safely with masks, with gloves. We're going to have food insecurity, you know, whatever you believe about all that. You know, there's the fact that we're shutting down school for three weeks. That is the source of about 3,000 calories a day for a lot of kids. And so, you know, it's going to be tough to get, you know, 2,000, 3,000 calories a day into kids um, without, um, you know, federally funded food programs, you know, helping them. And so figuring out how to get all that food to the right places. I mean, that's, I I think there's probably going to pop up some opportunities to do food delivery, to do processing where, you know, food is left, you know, they don't want people lining up. Um, So delivery services are going to be 
ramped up. I got to believe that. So there'll be opportunities for that. And to me, to me, that's one of the most near and present emergencies that I'm going to look for as in ways to help with. I think too, and we probably could all do this, is that like we've decided to take the money that we budgeted this month for purchases and activities that are now no longer applicable, eating out, events, et cetera, and we're going to send it to two organizations here in Huntsville, and I know everyone has these in whatever city they're in, that provide assistance to struggling people. I don't, like we've said, we cannot underestimate how quickly someone's going to go from making ends meet to being financially desolate. It can be a matter of weeks for some, and there are going to be many, many people needing help paying for food, rent, other needs because of how this impacts them financially. My heart is really hurting for small business owners as well. I saw someone post an idea that if you can, you could buy gift certificates from your providers or favorite restaurants or stores to help with their cash flow and to help them maybe be able to pay some hourly workers who need income. So that's another idea. Well, as always, we value each of you and are grateful for this beautiful community who come together and share time with us each week. May you experience peace in the coming weeks. May you be delivered from fear and anxiety. And may we all have our eyes and hearts open to those who need our help.